Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Well, with him this morning, to be a people fully alive in Christ to reach people far from Christ, to discover your purpose in Christ, and to engage with what Jesus is already doing. He's already at work. And I want to tell you this. It's going to get messy. It's going to get messy, guys. When we, when we go out and we reach people, and there's, there's been so many questions about, how is all this going to work with, with the church and the, the theater and the outreach center? And, and what if certain types of people come to these things, you know, prostitutes and drug addicts. I'm like, yep. Isn't that who Jesus is trying to go for? Like, that's who we're trying to reach, people that are far from Christ. Jesus is like, man, you guys are healthy. Y'all don't need a doctor. You're like, no, we want to reach people that are far from, and let me tell you, it's going to get messy. And, and I know for some of you guys, you've been a part of church world for so many years, and like, but how's this going to work? I don't know. I don't know. I have no clue. I just know that this is the vision that God has given us, to reach one more for Jesus. To just say there's somebody out there in our community, and we're going to do everything we can to reach them for Christ. And here's what I found interesting. So a lot of the Christians that I'm talking to, there's, there's all these questions, and rightfully so. Like, how's it going to work, and how's it going to with a, a movie theater, and the church, and, and the outreach center, and all this that could happen, and working with the county, and disaster relief. And, uh, but here's what's interesting. While some of the church folks are a little nervous, the community is actually super excited. And they're not excited about a church. They're excited about all the other things that are going to be there for the youth. For the, they're like, they don't know it yet, but man, they're going to get some Jesus. They are going to get some Jesus. And so I say that to let you know. Let's not understand your concerns. I understand the hesitation. And I'm already warning you, it's going to get messy. But I just believe that Jesus will fix whatever we mess up. I just believe Jesus is working in this thing, and he's given us this mission to reach people that are far from Christ. Uh, Jesus came, and every, all, all, all the people wanted Jesus to do was overtake Rome. Like, if you just overtake Rome, God, then we'll be okay. And she's like, I ain't, the kingdom ain't going to work that way. It's different. It's different. Uh, somebody said it like this. The church is the only organization on the planet that exists for its non-members. <laughs> I, I, that's good. It's true. We exist for people that ain't here yet. We exist for people like we're the church and we're gathered and we know Jesus and we love Jesus and we're reaching. You know, you understand that you are the church, right? You understand we're not building a church, right? Like this is a building. This is a tool, this is, a, this is going to be a community center. This is going to be something that we use to reach people far from Christ and discover your purpose in Christ and engage with what God is doing in our community. That's not you, me, we are the church. And if you have a kind of a problem with that, let me quote to you not only from the book of Acts, which has some authority on the subject, but also from Mr. Billy Graham when he talks about the church in a building. He says this, no, God doesn't live in a building, no matter how beautiful or how simple it may be. 
As Paul told the people of Athens, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heavens and the earth, and he does not live in temples built by hands. That doesn't mean that a church or other building isn't part of God's plan, because it may be. As God's word is preached there, and the people pray there, and God is worshiped there, as they celebrate the sacraments and other sacred events, God will use it as a tool in his hands. It's only a tool, but it's still one that God can use for his glory. Act 17 and Mr. Billy Graham. I don't know if you know this, but Billy Graham was actually a, a rebel. He got a whole lot of slack for doing things that no one else was doing. He brought on people like this band, some of y'all will remember, called DC Talk. But you didn't do that in church world back then. And, and then he did this other thing too. He would let Catholics help at his crusades. And they'd be like, oh, no, Billy, you can't do that. You can't do that. He would do all these things, and he was just a rebel. He would, they would say, oh, Billy, you're just, you're just bringing people to Christ through a bunch of emotionalism. And, and Billy was known for doing this song at the altar called Just As I Am. And they would, he would get in all this flack. Like, you, you can't play the keyboard when you do an altar call. Like, that's what we fought about in the 80s. And, and he said, oh, Fine. So there was, there was this time, I think he was over in England, and he said, stop the keys. Not a thing. And Billy did the altar call. He said there was a sheer silence in a crowd of 100,000 people. And after a few seconds, he said there was 15 seconds of just silence, and all of a sudden all you could hear is the feet pattering one by one, getting up, and hundreds and hundreds of people coming. Because he said it's, it's not the keyboard, it's God that's doing the work. It's God that's doing the work. So as we reach people far from Christ, same thing as we discovering your purpose. Like these, these four intern guys, like we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. It's going to get messy, but it's okay. It is okay. If we get it wrong, I guarantee you God is going to correct us. And if this church fails, it's not going to fail because it, we played it safe between these four walls. If it fails, it's going to fail because, man, we just, man, we just gave it all for Jesus. I was thinking back about a few of the things, like we've given away half a dozen cars uh, at this church, but I've been praying, God, I want to I give away some houses. We've literally given away hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I've been praying, God, I want to give away millions. We've supported so many missionaries, and we're still supporting so many missionaries, but I'm, God, we need to send some too. Somebody in this room right now called to another country. Wondering, should you go? Yep. There goes your sign. <laughs> the church full of ministries, full of people like Jill Leach who had it on her heart to, and there's kids that don't get anything for their birthday. And so, you know what? We're going to start a ministry and we're going to call it birthday wishes. And we're just, she's literally blessed hundreds and hundreds of kids in this community that wouldn't have a gift for their birthday. And so many more stories like that, to see unity in the body of Christ. And you all know this, I've prayed this prayer, God, just may we be the spearhead of that. I'm tired of seeing the black church and the white church. There's only the church. Amen. 
We got a lot of white faces in this room, and I'm just praying that that changes. Give us some Spanish faces. Give us some black faces, God. May it look more like the kingdom of God. Heavenly worship. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation. Teach us. Man, there's two big prayers I've had in my heart for years now. And they're the prayers of Jesus. Lord, may they be one. May they be one just as you are and I are one. And the other one is this. Lord, teach us to pray. When you pray, pray like this. Teach your church to pray. Teach your church to come together. I've seen churches fail time and time again, and there's three big things, and it's not just churches, it's businesses, it's people, it's marriages, all these things, and, and it's no surprise, it's money, sex, and power. Money, sex, and power, the big three things. And, and there's, here's the thing, at, at this church, we have all of these systems, and I haven't even got to the sermon yet, y'all are going to give me some extra time this morning. <laughs> we have all these things and there's all these things to make sure, like, man, every dollar accounted for. And not only is every dollar accounted, you could go to Carl, you could ask him where the money's going, all these things, there's layers and layers. But you could also go, all of my finances are open to y'all too. So Carl knows where I spend every penny of my dollar. If you want to know, go ask Carl. He'll tell you, this is where Lucas spends his money. Walmart and Amazon. <laughs> like, like, that's it. Like, I feed these kids and... All of this stuff, there's no, there's no secrets. All of it's completely open because we don't want money to distract. Same thing with sex. Like, I don't meet with women alone. If you get a text from me, I make sure my wife is on that text too. Just, just it's gonna be not even a hint. Like, we're, it's not going to be because of money. It's not going to be because of sex. And it's not going to be because of power. We're like Chris McKenzie, all these other, I mean, speaking to our like, correction, correction, correction. Whatever it is, build this, build this team. But I've learned this. Money, sex, and power, you can have all of the right systems. But if you have a bad heart, none of those systems matter. None of those systems matter. Money, the sex, the power, none, none of those things are bad. It's, it's, it's the love of money. It's, it's when sex, when there's just this lust in your heart. Jesus doesn't have a problem with you having power. He actually said these things you'll do an even greater. It's when you've misplaced that thing. When you have it in its improper place, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Like, yeah, there's all these systems and all these things we put, like, but like, if you don't guard your heart, you've got to guard your heart because it's going to determine the flow and the way that you're moving. I love the way that the NIV says it too. It says, for everything you do flows from it. You've got to guard your heart. Guard your hearts. Is there any anger? Is there any bitterness? Is there any offense? You have all the right things in place, but if you have a bad heart, you know what will happen? You'll end up safely at the wrong destination. Yeah, you'll have done all these things right, and Jesus will say, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. Guard your heart. It determines the course of your life. Corruption leads to corruption. Evil leads to evil. Augustine, in his book Confessions, explains it like this, that sin is simply disordered love. It's whenever we put things in the wrong order, when we take and we put money higher than God, when we put sex higher than God, when we put power higher than God, when we put these things in the wrong order, that's the sin, disordered love. Money, sex, power. Family, kids, spouse, job, food, friendship. What we need 
is men and women with hearts after God. Hearts after Jesus. It says in 2 Chronicles 16:9, the Lord is searching, looking over the world for hearts that are completely his, free from this disorder. This, this, the rest of this message, I want to give you three things. Three things that you're going to need to make it the long haul, but I can't teach you them. Three things that you have to have, but I can't simply give them up here and give you four points and you take them with you. I can't teach them, but you could cultivate a sense. I could give you practical sense. I could be a sign that points you along the way. Three things to help you guard your heart. The first one, actually, let me read it first. In the book of John, chapter 14, Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples. And he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. And Philip says this, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, and catch this. Have I been with you all of this time? Have I been with you all of this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Think about that. This, Philip has been walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus and sharing meals with Jesus, seen all the miracles of Jesus and, and all these things that he's doing. He's been called out living side by side with Jesus. And Jesus is asking him, do you still not know me? Have you been coming to church for 20 years? Have you been doing all the right things, listening to Caleb? Come on. Reading your Bible, doing, you got the bumper stickers, but you still don't know him. Walking side by side. and See, because Philip, all in his mind, all he could think was like, I'm expecting the king and the savior to do it a certain way, and he couldn't get past it. So do you still not know who I am? I am, I am. I think back about Jesus, and, and, and who should I tell them? Send me. Tell them I am sent you. I am, I am. Which, come on, let's, let's just, what, what, what does that mean? To which he clarifies here who I am is John 14. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Amen. If you're looking for which way you should go in life, Jesus. If you're looking for truth in your life, Jesus. If you're looking for like there's this thing in your soul that there's more to this life, you're right. It's Jesus. This is the I am. And he's asking this question to this disciple who's given up everything and is following him. So this isn't just this question to anybody on the street. This is to somebody who's been walking with Jesus. Do you still not know who I am? Do you, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I read this, it should at least make you take a second to step back and say, God, have I missed you? Do I, do I need to repent? Have I been walking with you all this time and still not sure all of these things I've not seen you speak to the wind and the waves and they obey you. I don't know, but like, if somebody comes in this room and like Chris just winds stop, we're going to listen to what Chris has to say. <laughs> Jesus did this and they saw it, commanding the dead, rise up and live. Like Lazarus, there he goes, high five. Like, I'm going to listen to Jesus. 
Has not all power and authority been given to him? I want to say, Philip, could you not see it in his eyes and hear it in his voice? Because you get around people and there's just something like you could just see like, oh, this person, this is the real deal. Jesus, could you, eyes, the fire of God inside of his eyes, his voice like many waters, this Philip, like, could you not see it? To step back. Are we so naive and so arrogant to think that we've got God all figured out? The creator of everything. Is there any wonder in your life? See, I can't teach you this. I can only point you to the way of like, oh, you're so wondrous. Because here's the thing, like, you can't get into his presence and not be changed. You can't. I mean, every single time you look at people in the scriptures and they get into the presence of God, and it's like, I fell down as if I was dead. Uh, Job, I, I put my hand over my mouth. I thought I knew what I was talking about, but no more. Like all these things, I'm a man of unclean lips. Every time you get in the presence of God, is this, is, you're just changed. Like, God, you're, oh, you're holy. You are holy. Just fall down, just the wonder of who you are. And the best way that I know of to express this wonder is worship. And that's why we come and that's why we gather here. And that's why the worship team and every one of us, we try so hard to just say, we're just pointing to Jesus of just who he is. And we just, it's what the mercy of God can do. And it's his grace and his love. And it's changing us and we don't deserve it. We just stand and wonder. And I just, I, just, I just wonder if like, how many times have we come into this place and just left? And like Philip, like Jesus was right there, but we missed him. Like, did you still not know who I am? There's a few things I want you to know about me. I'm 42 years old. I know I don't look it. Appreciate that been working out. And uh, I really got serious with God around 17 or 18 years old. And I, I caught the fire of God. And I'm here to tell you that 24, 25 years later, I haven't lost it. I absolutely love Jesus. I do. And if I could give you anything, it would be that. To not lose your fire. To not lose the wonder. It, we've been through so many things and so many disappointments and so many hurts and to still just say, God, you're so wonderful. The willingness to say yes for Jesus has not left my heart in all of these years. The willingness to suffer for Jesus. The willingness to leave the 99 to go after the one. The willingness to be corrected. The willingness to be changed. The willingness to say, God, you're changing me into your image and your likeness, and I need you to do more. I need you to do it faster. I need you less of Lucas and more of you. Committed to that. Don't let the fire go out, God. Throw another log on the fire, and I want your correction. It's the breeding ground of wonder. Just allowing the Lord to change your life. 
a missionary uh, said these words. I thought they were so good. It said this. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know a few things and be set on fire by them. Let me say that one more time. You don't have to know everything, but you do have to know a few things and be set on fire by them. And I want to give you a couple of things that I've been set on fire that you can't convince me otherwise, that I know in the deepest recesses of my soul about Jesus. Message number one, God is good. God is good. God is good. Every week for 13 years, you've heard some version of this. I really have one sermon. It's the same sermon every week, week in and week out, that God is good. He's good in the good times. He's good in the bad times. He's good when everything's up and to the right, and he's good when everything is falling apart. He's good when I'm celebrating and things are great and we've got cookies in the lobby, and, I, and he's good when the doctor says cancer. He's good when they say, write your will. There's no other hope. He's good at the point of my life where, God, I, are you even in this moment? But you are good. You are good, and I just know it inside of my soul. He's good and come on, all things. <laughs> I loved it last week when Cameron was making fun of me. So I'm like, he's getting it. He's getting it. All things. God is good. And in him is only love. And so if there's parts of this book that I don't understand, and I'm like, ooh, like, like there's some wrath here. Like, uh, but it's love. It's love. If there's things that, it's because I don't understand it, God, I need you to understand, I need, I need you to help me understand this, because it's love. All of these things, you, you work it all out. And when I be, became, like, God, I just surrender it all to you. And it's been this process for the last 25 years of just, I surrendered and I'm surrendering. Amen. Daily. Like, oh, I thought, I thought I surrendered that. No, I picked it up. You did too. Come on, somebody. I gave up my rights to all affiliations, and I think you should too. I gave up my right to say that I find my identity in being male or female or black or white or a pastor or my political point of view or even an American. Let that sink in. Some of us, I think we've, we've developed this identity. We live in a culture who's longing to find itself, and so we find ourselves by our sexuality, our gender, our political preference. And so we've got this disordered love, where it's like, oh, I'm a Republican first, I'm a Democrat first, I'm a whatever first, straight or homosexuality, or whatever it is. Like, no, 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 I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow all of those other things. -uh. I'm identifying with Christ to identify with him. A few years ago, uh, Pete gave his testimony here, and it was so good. He said he had this moment. There was this woman he was with, and she said, Pete, it's either going to be Jesus or me. You got to choose. And Pete said, peace out. It's Jesus. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Pete is hardcore. Like, yeah, Pete. But that's actually what the Bible says. That's what Jesus demands. We don't want a disordered love. 
Not even the good things that God gives you, your spouse, your kids, all of these things. See, if we get the order wrong, everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. The number two thing that I know about Jesus is that he is a rewarder, but not only is he a rewarder, but catch this, he is the reward. He is the reward. I stand firmly opposed to any type of Christianity that's prosperity-centered. Now catch what I said, prosperity-centered. Prosperity is good, but it's a byproduct and not a prime product. The prime product is Jesus. All of the, the blessings and all of the other good things that he does, all of those are byproducts to knowing Jesus. So I stand firmly on a gospel that Jesus is the center of it and everything else. I do not believe in a gospel that's all about your happiness and what God can do for you. I believe in a gospel that's all about Jesus. And it's just mercy and grace that he even decides to use us. Because if you have a gospel that's all about you and all about just what rewards you can get, it's going to leave you escaping the second things get rough. I want to teach from a place and live from a place in which my life and the gospel is rooted in who he is. Who he is. And he is the pearl of great price. He is worthy. He is my great reward. And everything else is a byproduct. You see the difference? It's not just what he does, but it's who he is. This week I woke up to a plate, and I wish I would, I actually had the, the picture and I forgot to bring it, but it was a plate on my table, and it was a three-quarter eaten waffle that my daughter had smeared like some kind of strawberry puree all over the top, and the plate was like, I mean, it looked like a murder scene, it was like and a piece of waffle and then a napkin beside it and she took a pen on the napkin and she said, to dad from Reese. And like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, this is just absolutely horrible and then I'm absolutely just in love with the fact that my daughter thought of me. That she had this and she just said, dad, I want you to know that I'm thinking about you and this is for you. And, and as I sat there and as I stared at that broken down junk piece of waffle, <laughs> all I could think about was this is how Jesus looks at us. My righteousness is like filthy rags. And, and even on my best day, even when I give my best to God, it's a broken up waffle. But God looks at it and says, good try, son. I love you, boy. That's my boy. That's my son. Because of who he is, his goodness, his mercy. Someone always, people will ask me, like, Lucas, what's the best sermon you've ever preached? My next one. <laughs> and I believe that. I believe it. And, and that's what keeps the wonder alive. It keeps the wonder of, no, 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 there's more of God. And see, all it is every week is I open up this word, and I just, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Where, where are you at? And all of a sudden, there's a moment, like, right here, where John 14, oh, Oh, and I get so excited about it, and I spend like the next 27 hours just like reading this one verse over and over, and I don't stop until I get to that point where like, oh God, I'm so excited to bring your word to the people, and, and, and it's just, it's in me, and it's ready, and it's there, but it's, okay, God, here it is. Do what you can with it. Do what you can. 
Reveal yourself. Because you are the real, all, the best I could hope for is all I am. Somebody, I, I was thinking it's an old 70s song, but the writer puts it like this. I'm just one poor beggar who found the bread that wants to tell everybody else where I found it. And that's what it is every week. Every week is I found some bread. I want to tell you where I found it. I found it in John 14 this week. The third thing that I know about Jesus is what we just read, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And because he is the way, that means there's no other way. If, if I'm looking for life, I have to be committed to his way. Because what we want is we want the life without the way and the truth. Uh, that kind of sums it up right now. Like just We want to go our own way. We want to have our own truth. But then we still want to experience the life that you have for us. It doesn't work that way. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That means I'm only going to find my purpose in him. I'm only going to find this peace in him, this joy that I'm looking for. It's only going to be found in him. And I don't want to accept any cheap substitute. I, I want something real. Have any of you guys ever had something fake? Have you ever owned, you know, you bought it because it was cheap. It was that, that leather, pleather couch. And it looks like the real thing. I remember I had this, I told this story years ago. I had this, my office had this leather chair. I was like, oh, this is nice, but it wasn't real leather. It was the pleather. And it, it looked real, but I, after a couple years of use, this, this chair literally started falling apart and there was chunks of fake leather that would all of a sudden they're just scattered around the house. There's like <laughs> fake pieces, I'm picking them off. I'm like, just throw this thing out. The real thing means following the ways of Jesus, living by the truth of Jesus that will lead us to the life of Jesus. No more fake leather chairs. I wonder if there's a loss of wonder because it's no longer Jesus that we're following, but our own way and our own truth that leads us to our own version of life. I'm committed to this, and I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up. I'm committed to worshiping Jesus. Now that's important because when I say that, what I mean is I'm not committed to worshiping my own version of Jesus. I'm committed to worshiping Jesus. I, I, I don't want the, a Jesus that I've made into my image and my likeness. Because that's what we do. We like to make things that look like us. We like to, to, to form and shape and, and mold these things to a God who like, oh no, I can, I can make God look like this. And we wonder why the wonder has gone because we're worshiping a God that looks just like you. And you're not that wondrous. And neither am I. And so it's like, oh God, oh, it looks like me. Stop that. To worship him for who he is, not who I want him to be. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not a quick fix. Man, he's the Lord of all. And he is holy. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. I know I told you I was gonna give you three things. I only gave you one. 
time got away from me. I'll give you the other two next week. No, no, I'm playing. Let me give them to you real quick. Um, I don't know about you, but like, uh, to know him more, to not have him ask that question to me, like, do you still not know who I am? Like, no, I want to know you, Jesus. To know you, the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering, to purpose in my heart, to guard my heart, to cultivate a heart of wonder. And I think it means two other things. I think it means you've got to get disciplined. See, sometimes we think, like, oh, the wonder will just come. Like, the wonder will just, no, no, it takes discipline. It takes a long obedience in the same direction. It takes years. Like, the, the scripture, you know, repent, seek, turn, turn, like, and find. It, 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 it takes some seeking. It takes getting in the word. It takes prayer. It takes worship. It takes being committed take some discipline. Come on. Uh, I was talking to the interns this, this week, and we were like, hey, you know, what is it that you're looking? I said, the thing that I'm, I'm asking God to do more in my life is make me more disciplined. Like, I know all the things that I should be doing, but I just ain't doing them. I, I know these things will lead to more life in my life, but I've gotten undisciplined, so I, God, help me. I'm going to get disciplined in these areas, in my worship, in my prayer, in my life, to get disciplined in your discipleship. And the last thing is this. You've got to own it. You've got to own it. And what owning it means is you don't blame anybody else. Your mama, your dad, your pastor, the government, society, culture. It's yours. You've got to own it. If you came to church and like, oh, pastor didn't bring it this way, you go home and bring it yourself. There is life in this word. Get in it. He will speak to you. I guarantee you he wants to. There are people out there that are far from Jesus. They'll probably never enter in, but they'll see your life, and you've got to own it. You've got to own that neighbor that's getting on your nerves. Now, this person doesn't know you, but God, soften my heart towards them. Soft my, and if they come to church, that's great. I want to come to church. I want to invite them to church, but I want to see you in my life. I'm going to go the extra mile. If they ask me to go one mile, I'm going to go two. If they said the fence is on the wrong side, I'm going to move it. So I want to give glory to your name. Come on, some of y'all are like, I ain't moving that fence. Adam. I just saw it. I saw it in the eyes. We'll get a team together. We'll move it six inches. Let's take a minute. Let's just pray. Lord, the wonder of who you are. Lord, 13 years, God, and I believe we're just getting started. Reveal yourself to your people. May your church have a a heart that is completely yours. Set your people on fire, God. Baptize us with your spirit. 
may we come into this place and may we worship you in spirit and in truth and we seek you with all of our hearts and may we seek first the kingdom of God and may we seek you with our finances and may we seek you with our marriage and may we seek you with our outreach and may we seek you with every tool that you've put into our hands. May we not get the order wrong. May we not disrupt this love that you've given us and try to put other gods before you, money and sex and power and ambition. Lord, everything, even right now at this moment, I ask that you just bring it into our hearts and our minds if there's anything that we've put before you, any idol that we've placed, anything that we've said that this is stronger than God. Bring it to our minds, bring it to our hearts where we've disordered your love and we repent. We repent, God. We don't blame anybody. We fully own it. And we are turning this morning back to you. Lord, may I be the first one in this line of repentance that says, God, anything in my heart has been placed above you. We're guarding our hearts this morning. We're tilling the soil we're turning and we're seeking you. And we seek you in 2023. Because you are good. You are good. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you give your life to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If that's you with Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just put your hand real high in the air where I can see it. I just want to pray a prayer with you to invite Jesus into your heart. Is there anybody in the room? I don't want to miss this moment. All right, Lord, I want to believe that everyone in here knows you. Lord, I ask right now to put on our minds and our hearts that person in our lives that doesn't know you see their faces, the coworker, the neighbor, the alcoholic, the drug addict, the person that you know needs Jesus. Lord, help us to be that salt and that light. We pray all of this in the powerful, powerful name of the resurrected Christ. And everyone said, Amen and amen and amen. Come on, guys, let's give it up for Jesus. He is good. Hey, listen. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.